Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, consider joining my crew on Patreon to win amazing prizes like our adorable merch, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, and incredible sex toys. Go to patreon.com slash sexedwithdb to join my crew. Get discounts at all of your favorite sex toy shops at sexedwithdb.com. And follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. If you want to partner with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. Hello, everybody. Happy summer. I hope everyone is doing well as summer is coming to a close here. Um, I'm very excited for this fun summer bonus episode that we have for you here um, because we have partnered with Advocates for Youth to bring you this episode. Um, If you haven't heard of Advocates for Youth, they are an amazing organization based in D.C., Um, that partners with young leaders, adult allies, and youth-serving organizations to really advocate for policies and champion programs that really recognize young people's rights to honest sexual health info, accessible, confidential, and affordable sexual health services, and the resources and opportunities necessary to create sexual health equity for all youth. Absolutely love their mission. They're incredible. If you want to check them out, they're on Instagram, at Advocates for Youth, on TikTok, at Advocates for Youth, and on Twitter, at Advocates Tweets. Um, Without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Hello, Max. How's it going? Uh, It's going great. Amazing. What's, What's so great? Tell me. Um, well, uh, I just, uh, went, came, you know, got out of a protest with, uh, Ron DeSantis, against Ron DeSantis. Uh, oh, yeah, boy. Which was an education protest. Okay. Uh, we're doing an education tour endorsing some school board candidates who are against success. So we are very on, on, on topic today. On theme. That's really amazing that you, uh, went to that today. There's a lot of questions that I have. For you regarding that. Uh, but before we get started into the deep end, I would love for you to introduce yourself uh, to the listeners and tell us about your work. Yeah, so I am the founder and president of PRISM. Uh, so we work to expand access to LGBT inclusive education and sexual health resources for youth in South Florida. Um, we specifically focus on digital education, so really reaching young people where they're increasingly turning to for info, which is online. Um, aside from that, I also do live classes on TikTok um, about gender and sexuality, sexual health, uh, LGBT history, and activism. Wow, really great elevator pitch. You have that down to a T. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Very impressive. And how old are you? I'm 20. Uh, amazing. Uh, really, the youth. Uh, you're you're the youth, by the way, compared to me. I'm I'm turning 30 in December, so you know, not not too much older, but in a sense, you as a young person have so much more intel info have your finger on the pulse when it comes to what other young people and teenagers specifically 
are interested in and how they're learning. So I'm very, very lucky to have you today. So thank you for being on. Well, I'm grateful to be here. Yeah. So tell me more about the founding of PRISM. Like I would love to know how you decided to found this organization. Like, does it have to do with what your sex ed was like growing up? Like what what, what made you so passionate about this? Give me the, the backstory. Yeah, so we actually started as a high school club. So I was the vice president and then president of my GSA. And, and frankly, our GSA just wasn't it. Uh, it was, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of um, tension with our staff sponsor and our, in our, in our old GSA and, and other leadership. And so we really wanted a fresh, a fresh slate. Um, and so we founded PRISM as, uh, as another high school club. And, and unfortunately, um, our high school did not love the idea of having two LGBT clubs on campus. They actually They're like, one. that's too, too many. They hated that idea, uh, which is funny because our sponsor didn't even need the stipend or anything. She's like, I'll do it for free. Um, but they were like, no, no, no. Uh, even though, you know, they have what, three Christian clubs and four environmental clubs and, sure. you know, what have you. But, um, and so, uh, you know, so we fought, 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 fought for a year um, to really make this space that we really wanted to be more, more centered around activism, more centered around education. Uh, our GSA had been more of a, a drop-in safe space, which is still important, but it wasn't really like the sorts of resources that we were looking, looking and aiming to provide. And, um, and so uh, after about a year of fighting, I was about to, I was about to graduate on uh, some other leadership in our, in our, in our, club our unofficial unsanctioned club that was meeting at the whole place across the street um was that was the kind of place that i lived in there's a whole place across the street um uh, you know meeting meeting there um to uh you know to you know with our with our unofficial unsanctioned little little mini pride parade across you know across the street every every week um we decided you know forming a nonprofit had always been this sort of far off thing that we wanted to do um down the line and i think that once we realized that that being like the, a high school club uh and and getting administration to like us wasn't wasn't super feasible mm. um we decided to i guess take our business elsewhere um and uh and expand out into the community and incorporate as a nonprofit. um and we did this right at the start of the pandemic um, and I think that when we when we started doing this, I think we started making this push in December 2019. We 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 finally did the paperwork and all of that in in March, uh, as things were just starting to close down. And I think at that point we thought, you know, this is just going to be a really long spring break. Sure, as we <laughs> and, all did, as we all naively and, thought. And then that spring break lasted two years. Right. And so and so here we are. I think that we very quickly realized, you know, we we got. We finally incorporated late April of 2020 um, when I was when I was just about to turn 18. Um, wow, big birthday present! And yeah, about, yeah, a month, a little, a little under a month early, and um, and you know we we very I think once we realized how large scale and long term this pandemic was going to be um we really it really shifted our idea of what we wanted to do as an organization at least in the short term right we weren't able to you know we had we actually had in-person events lined up prior to this and and all this other stuff as we were working on incorporating and becoming a nonprofit, and um and then and then you know, can I cuss on here? Please <laughs> go for and it. Then, and then shit hit the fam. And um and we realized that uh 
that we were going to need to at least short term make some shifts to online. And what's really interesting is, is what we realized in doing that was that there were going to be, there were, and there were going to continue to be so many benefits to doing uh, digital advocacy beyond the pandemic. Uh, there are so many people who are looking for these resources. A lot of the times the people who are in most need of resources, especially around LGBT issues, um, are not able to access in-person community centers. You know, there are organizations in our community that do amazing work for LGBT youth, but they're really only accessible to people who can get, get there, right? right? Being, having something where you can have, you know, as long as you have an internet connection and a phone or a computer that you can, that you can access these resources and learn about your community. You can learn about how to take care of yourself physically and emotionally and sexually. Um, you can learn about the history, the history of the LGBT community and all, and all of those things. It is so, so, so impactful for people that normally wouldn't be able to be reached and young people that normally wouldn't be able to be reached. And it's fun. We came full circle. Uh, because we have our Prism Student Ambassador Program, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, aimed to bolster LGBT student organizing uh, in South Florida and um, and uh, my old high school, the one that would not let us form as a high school club. Uh, their GSA has a new sponsor, um, and uh, and they are one of the inaugural members for our student. Wow, that li- that really is full circle. That must so be we, very so we validated. So our way back on campus in the end anyways oh yeah oh yeah that is incredible and how many like members do you have kind of like where where are you at right now with the amount of people that you reach yeah so the thing about prism is we're not just a youth serving organization we're youth led uh so that means that it does fluctuate wildly depending on the time of year uh you know we we obviously what what works out is that young people have more free time during the summer and that is when pride month is so we need a lot more volunteer support um but we have we have a whole social media team that is volunteer led um because the name of the game for us like i said it's digital education and it's about you know it's um and so that again that that sort of varies depending on the time of year but it can be anywhere from you know 10 10 to 20 people that are on our social media team alone and we have you know dozens of volunteers on and off helping volunteer at events and, and protesting with us and and testifying at school boards and and do protesting and, and and all sorts of other uh really cool stuff so um so quite quite a few wow congrats first of all that is a huge success already two years into it let alone the fact that you have been growing and really uh, expanding over the course of a global pandemic where folks yeah. not only are, you know, in in need of, of your resources, but a lot more so because they're home, because they're not able to reach their communities as much, because they're not able to be in person with a lot of uh, people who make them feel at home. So Really incredible. Kudos to you and to your your founding team and the people who run your your work now who volunteer. Um, was there like an aha moment for you when you realized either like growing up as a kid or like more recently that this was the work that you were super passionate about? Yeah, I think that I think that I everything that is all these big moments in my life I've stumbled into, uh, which isn't to say that I that I was careless by any means. Um, but, you know, I I actually originally started computer science. Oh, wow. Um, and and I, you know, I think that I started getting into coding in, in, in middle school in like sixth, fifth, sixth grade. And um, and my parents were like, that is a career field that is going to make our son so much money. So let's mm. push that, right? And um, 
and and so they did and then felt like I wasn't into it um and so that was sort of became like that was the thing that was the thing that I that I was gonna do and uh and then uh I moved after a two-year hiatus out in the, the desert in California I moved back to South Florida and um uh, you know new high school new people and um and there was uh and I knew that there was going to be a GSA meeting and then I at after school and I thought you know screw it I'll I'll, I'll go and they just happened to be signing up people for for elections that very day and uh and I was like screw it and I ran for vice president and so that was that was a little sort of spur of the moment Impulse very cool control. very bold move. i have adhd so Im impulse control is not one of my like is not has not been one of my strong suits in the past um and sometimes it works out in my favor other yeah um but you know uh that sort of was a pivotal moment that sort of set me off on this trajectory it's not really something lgbt advocacy lgbt activism was ever something that i was um that i was that i was super invested in obviously i am i am a gay man but but being in that activist sphere was not something that that really seemed uh you know i wish i had strong political views but but, but doing anything about them was not my thing um and so i think that that was a really, really pivotal moment for me. Um, I think that, and then, and then incorporating in all of that. But I think that um, really, where the reason that we that we started forming as a you know that that prism started forming specifically as a high school club, is I realized I was in an LGBT leadership position, but I did not know. You know, at sixteen, I did not know. Um, I started learning about uh, LGBT history more, and I started learning about, um, I started deep diving into all of that and about HIV and AIDS and and, and STIs and, and sexual health in general, and and I realized I didn't know who Harvey Milk was. I barely knew of the Stonewall riots or Marsha P. Johnson. I didn't know the difference between HIV and AIDS. Didn't know what prep was. Um, all of these really, really fundamental things about LGBT history and sexual health, um, especially in the in the LGBT community that I was sort of oblivious to. And once I started once I started learning about these and sort of learning about how, how fundamental these aspects of, of all of these of all these sort of sectors of the work that we do are, um, I, I thought like, wow, why did I why was I not? privy to any of this as mm. especially you know not just as a, a, a you know an lgbt you know young person but as the leader of an lgbt club like as the as the you know at that point the president of our gsa why am i just now learning about all of this it's absolutely ridiculous and so i think that that sort of put me in this position where i was like okay so someone needs to someone needs to spill the beans on on all of this information for other people um because it's so 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 important and so so you know fundamental um to our understanding of of lgbt the lgbt community of sexual health and, and all of the above and so that was really that was really what set me off this trajectory of really wanting to 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 push push that education and, and you know towards more people wow yeah really makes sense i feel like a lot of folks who I've sp spoken to have said similar things about like their passion for sexual and reproductive health or for yeah queer history is born out of like this injustice that they feel that they weren't taught any of those things by their parents or their you know school or their textbooks or the media isn't really properly portraying like what that really feels like and is like in a in a real way um so that's really awesome I want to 
go back to one thing that you said before about PRISM, which is that not only does it have a ton of young people in it, but it is youth led. I think like as a public health student and as someone who's doing this work as a sex educator, we learn all the time that if you're not including the population that you want to reach in your leadership and as a part of the people who create the curriculum and create the assets and who you pull to see how the messaging resonates and you pay in order for them to share their expertise and their time, like that is incredibly important. And I'm wondering if you can articulate to the listeners, like, why do you think it's super important that, you know, this organization, PRISM, is youth-led? And I'm wondering also if you can talk a little bit about Advocates for Youth and how they have kind of supported you in your sex education work. Yeah, so we, uh, so PRISM follows uh, what we call a buy-in for model, which means that if we're creating resources for a specific demographic, and that doesn't just mean youth, I mean, we're a youth-serving organization, but um, but that also means space, you know, when we're talking about intersectional issues, the model minority myth, for example, or, or the Crown Act and things like that, or Black history or API history, um, or when we're talking about gender nonconformity or trans issues, if we're creating resources for a specific community, we want to make sure that they are created by a specific community, and that doesn't just just mean, you know, when we're making videos that we have like a trans person or gender non-conforming person, um, you know, on the face of the video, it also means that they're behind the scenes that we have, that we have that representation at all levels of organization from, from our board of directors all the way down to our, um, more, like more irregular volunteers and everything in between. And so, um, and so making sure that, that, that is, that, that was a fundamental part of who we are as an organization or our slogans for every color, for everyone. And we really, we really, um, mm. you know, live and breathe that through through a buy-in for model. Um, and, and that translates into, you know, as well as being youth-led. I mean, we, um, I, I think that nobody understands how to reach young people, especially online, like young people do. Mm -hmm. um, nobody's going to be able to keep up with trends and be able to, uh, to be able to really understand how and why um, and what people are, you know, young people are engaging on the internet with um, the way that young people themselves will be able to. Um, and so I think that that is uh, a very, very fundamental aspects of how we're how we're doing that work um and and i think that with you know with advocates for youth um they they really supported me uh, i think a lot a lot in strategy which has been really really helpful so that's that's part of that social media strategy right um and the other thing is just is just connecting me with more people i mean i i'd like to say i'd like to say well connected either way um, <laughs> but i make sure i make sure i show face of things for sure but um but they've connected me with so many people getting me um you know you know what they're you know advocates for youth is what really got me started with school board work actually actually, because um, the Miami Dade School Board was going to be voting on approving a sex ed uh, textbook. Um, and, um, and so they, they're the ones who sort of, who sort of brought that to light and got me connected with some, with some other organizations that really pushed, um, pushed me to start working um, uh, more with, um, uh, with pushing the school board to, um, to have more inclusive, you know, more sex education, inclusive sex education, and, and that sort of stuff, and that and that work continues and, and is expanding now. Um, and so I think that that's that's a really a really fundamental way that I that I've really benefited from being a part a part of Advocates for Youth in particular. 
Yeah. Talk to me more about this school board uh, stuff and you pushing Uh them to, I'm assuming it's related to the don't say gay law or is it complete? Is it kind of different from that? Yeah. So my, so my don't say gay work is, uh, is very extensive beyond school boards. Sure. Um, But as far as the, the, the school board, um so they they originally had relatively comprehensive sex education they have what's called a three hours curriculum um and um and it's you know a module based thing that's free right um that they can access online and um and they got rid of it uh, about i think i believe a couple of years ago um and uh, and we're voting to approve a textbook um so the the state of florida created a policy that you know before you could have school by school curriculum and they created a policy that um that each school board has to vote on a textbook for the entire school district um and so they have to have something consistent and parents have to be able to like review it and there's like a comment period so it, it's not the it's not the mo- the best thing. They actually removed. They wouldn't allow. They're not going to be allowing students to access chapters on sexual orientation and gender identity, um, which is is silly because we're talking a middle school and high school textbook, mm. and the Don't Say Gay Bill as it stands now, um, only officially applies to K through three until there's new standards um, that will be coming out in like January, in which mm. will likely also be restricting higher grade levels as well. Um, but they're timid about it. Um, and so, uh, and and also, unfortunately, the Miami-Dade School Board is becoming increasingly conservative. So, um, and so we we had to fight for them to approve that textbook. Um, luckily they did, but unfortunately for us, um, because there's that comment period, uh, 278 petitions were filed against this oh. textbook. Oh. <laughs> um only 44 were actually from parents in miami dade um the rest were from people that didn't i don't think lived in the county or were like just didn't have kids in like okay. that were, like school age you know what i mean just like loud curmudgeon yeah, like loud, homophobes. Just, yeah just loud old people or organized like people from really conservative organizations sure so they had to do a common period, do a hearing, go to a hearing. There was a hearing officer, give them two weeks. And the hearing officer said, uh, these objections are stupid. They're, they're, they're stupid and you should, you should keep the textbook. Mm-hmm. And then they have to do, and they have to have, have a 30 day period and then have a meeting. So it's like a whole delayed, you know, two, two and a half months or whatever. Right. Um, to, uh, you know, we're talking a school year that starts that, you know, that just started last week. I was going to um, say, didn't it already? Yeah, already and, begun. And so at this point, you know, they approved it back in April. And so at this point, it's delaying this until, you know, what, June, late June. And so they had to do it another another hearing and, um, a, a, you know, public meeting. And so we mobilized people like, you know, like crazy um, to uh, to speak on this. And um in those 30 days, we, we packed the room. Uh, there were 40, 42 people spoke and 38 of them were in favor of this textbook. Uh, the other four, uh, or there are five people that spoke out, out and not in favor of the textbook. And um, and four of them were forcibly removed oh. for, for yelling 
at the school board members and and all this other stuff. There's Moms for Liberty. It's and it's always a party when they're there. They're a super conservative organization that opposes mask mandates and of course and just, it's all gave, in the same and just gave party. and just gave Ron DeSantis a, a sort of a sort of Liberty Award or something that they're conference in Tampa they're they're messy for sure um but uh and call the groomers and pedophiles and whatever else they like to call gay people now um and so um you know but we stuck with it unfortunately they I chose to reject the petition and then and then I, I got whiplash right because then they schedule they realize oh it's state standard we have to have sex ed curriculum oh wow so we have now and now and it takes four to eight months to approve a new textbook so they were like well what are we going to do now because it's a semester long class they take it in PE high schoolers who take that in the fall aren't going to get sex ed so how are we now we need to figure something else they schedule an emergency meeting and and if three days out in this three days we got 2800 petition signatures uh from uh, over 90 percent are from parents in miami-dade and then you know some educators and and, and organizers um, also signed on as well uh 2800 petition signatures uh we started an email an email campaign uh which were, there were 300 emails to each board member um and then once again showed up packed the room um and and you know very much outnumbered <laughs> the people who are who are opposed to all of this um and uh and in a in a very crazy turn of events the chair of the board who had voted against this textbook said uh you know she was not pursuing another term so she's not beholden to getting reelected. so she said well what if i change my vote which you're allowed to do if you're on the winning side, you're allowed to do that. So, you know, they had a whole, some other person had a whole battle with the parliamentarians. Like, she was like, you can't do that. And it's like, no, she definitely can. Drama. They changed the vote. And then we got the, and then we got the sex ed. We had planned a whole die-in for outside the thing in case it went bad. And then we're, I was like, all right, y'all can pack up because we won. But uh, you so, won. And we were expecting it to like take another like five months or so, you know, eight months of going to these, long you know 12 hours I've been there for 12 hours at some point straight um and and so it was it was very nice to not yeah <laughs> so. uh-huh yeah I'm sure you had put so much work obviously and effort and organizing into this so that's a major congrats to get a comprehensive sex ed textbook in the school district that's amazing yeah, that was, it was it was arduous <laughs> yeah I bet. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. We have a couple of questions left here. Um, I want to know for you, like, what really does LGBTQ legislation look like and school sex ed curriculum look like when it is comprehensive, inclusive? Uh, and what are some topics of like sex ed that you wish that you could have learned about other than the stuff that you mentioned specifically with like queer history, queer rights, are there other kind of sex education topics that you're super passionate about? Yeah. So I had the benefit of actually having relatively inclusive sex education. That's uh, great. I don't, I don't think I, which I, which I might, I made it, made it sound really bad <laughs> at the beginning because um, I didn't get an LGBT inclusive history education. Right. Um, but I had very inclusive sex education um, in, in a in scenario and a lot of example scenarios, for example. So it talks about relationship abuse, consent. It talks about STIs um, in, in example scenarios. It actually, um, it actually, they specifically use like, I guess, gen, like, 
like non-gendered names at like Alex and Sam and things like that um so that you could sort of like imagine really anyone being in that situation and imagine yourself and and whatever gender or genders that you love being in that situation um which was really really empowering they talked about like um uh same same sex relationships and transgender people in a positive light oh my god this is like kind um, of unheard of for many people who i interview so this is great and this was in palm beach county which is actually a very very um very very progressive uh very very progressive school board it's a very very progressive area and so and so it was sort of like the creme de la creme (laughs) sexification um you know and even even in a state of like florida where we have prior to the jumpsuit gable we had the closest thing that we actually had to what what we call a no promo homo law um was a um uh was a law that required that if you talk about aids or hiv which isn't required by state standards but they can talk about it they also have to discuss the benefits of um of abstinence outside of a mutually monogamous heterosexual marriage oh wow yeah so um so they can talk about condoms uh but they have to be like it's there's you should you should you should not have sex don't do it unless you're straight married (laughs) yeah um and so uh and I had uh, a teacher um I don't remember which year it was because they all kind of learned to one um but I had a teacher who actually I believe actually mentioned the fact that that law existed and then uh and then said um we're not gonna we're gonna be breaking the law today Uh, (laughs) oh so badass (laughs) so uh it actually pointed out the fact that 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 is what we were doing and then talked about HIV and talked about LGBT relationships in a positive light in the same breath, which was very refreshing for sure. Um, what's unfortunate is, um, is that is not consistent. Um, there's not a lot of oversight um, in general, even when we have very inclusive sex education, even in standards, there's not a lot of oversight in making sure that that is applied. So I know people that were, you know, a classroom over, that were in the same school, not even just talking a different school district, different school, in the same school that might have had a different teacher um, who did, that did not have that experience whatsoever and so i think that that that's that's a key issue there is making sure that that there is consistency there that if we have inclusive education that inclusive education is really accessible to everyone regardless of what you know school or teacher they have um but but i think that um it's it's that sort of stuff that i really want to see to be able to to learn about um, about my community to be able to see that in a positive light and, um and also i i didn't i don't think i learned about prep and i think that hiv prevention is one of those key topics that i really like to support of mm, i really like that with i guess okay two more questions one of them is like what is like one main thing i guess like as a young person in this work being able to access other young people? Like, is there something that really comes up in your DMs all the time? Like one common theme that you really, really are so excited to get to teach someone about? Um, I think I think the common theme of what I get is thank you for doing this because I didn't get this sort of information. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that I get a lot of a lot more one-on-one conversations when we're talking about my TikTok and and my live my live classes, um, or I'm or I'm you know I'm able to you know I'm able to write on a board like sex ed for bad bitches, um, and, <laughs> and and that sort of catches people's eyes. But I think that that's one of those things that you know I think that talking about um like stigma is one of those things which is I guess a very broad topic but that's one of those things that I really really like discussing and really breaking that down because I think that's a fundamental sort of barrier to learning about sex ed in general 
Yes, incredibly important. I think like for us, a lot of the stigma related like DMs we get are around like masturbation and around like, I feel so much shame, embarrassment, like, uh, you know, I'm harmed from my like religious practice about masturbation. And it's so powerful to be like, hey, like that's totally normal. And like most people masturbate and it's really healthy actually. And like, that's okay. Um, but it is really powerful to be able to create your own content in your own like silly, funny, like outlandish, quote unquote, fucking badass way um, right. and be able to access the people. And I get to draw out. a peach emoji on the board. I've gotten so good at it too. Like just like. Incredible. Yes. That's so wonderful. Um, Max, we have one last question. Thank you again so much for joining. Um, oh. I would love to like we could, you know, do like a prism sex ed with DB live. We could talk more about oh, oh, the, the work that you're doing. We can chat about that offline, but tell me what's like next for you and, and prism and where our listeners can follow and tune in. Uh, so there's, there's so much stuff. I think that, I think that we're really getting way more into video. We're getting way more into finding new ways, even beyond social media. Um, I, I, one thing that I love is like interactivity, like gamifying things and, um, and, and building, building more sort of back and forth into, into the ways in which we communicate so that it's not so detached, uh, which is why I love live streams in particular. Um, but I think that, um, uh, so I think that that's something that we're we're gonna see a lot more of is is really expanding the ways in which we're able to interact and in which we're able to sort of like have fun talking about sex ed in a in a in a more like sort of intimate <laughs> way. Um, but uh, if folks want to check me out, um, I am at Max Fenning on everything. M A X X F E N N I N G. Uh, Prism's a, Prism has a different username and everything. Instagram is at prism.fl. TikTok's at prismfl. And Twitter is at prism underscore fl. We're also www.prismfl.org. Oh, love it so much. Uh, just on behalf of uh, other people in this work, I really thank you for uh, basically just doing like everything that exactly like you said people have political views and they don't do anything about them and you are actively doing something about it from a very young age for your career even if it's not permanent for now you're making a lot of a difference in the world and in Florida and locally and so I just want to say thank you so much and it's been such a pleasure to get to know you absolutely ditto Our creator, host, EP, and sound engineer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds, and our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. Want to advertise with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on IG at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. See you next time.